Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Okay, let me pray for Matt and pray for ourselves. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you particularly for the Psalms. And we thank you especially for the Psalms of David. Prayed under pressure, prayed in uncertainty, prayed when all around him was going a bit wild, but yet he knew how to find you and flourish. And I pray that we would learn how to pray these Psalms and they'd, be good, they'd do us good and we'd be fed and we'd draw near to you. So bless Maffy now as he preaches for the first time in this format and be with us all, whether we're online or in person, to hear your word that you have to speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Guys, it's been four months since I've stood here, and one of the only things I do not miss about coming back is having to put down this mic stand. That is horrendous. There we go. And with regards to face masks, I can say for an absolute fact that a mask like this does not cover flatulence, like a mask like what the rest of you guys are wearing. So a mask like this is not good whenever there's flatulence in the room. Anyway, today's, today's idea is, is learning to seek God under pressure. And so we're going to look at, at, at this idea of seeking God under pressure through three different ideas. Because he is our protector, because he alone satisfies, and because he will have the final say. So every summer we look at the Psalms to teach us how to pray and, and, th- and through all seasons of life. And so this summer we're going to look at the Psalms of David through some of the experiences that David has had that we have just went through in our last series. So uh, we're looking today at what has happened in, in 1 Samuel uh, 20, 21. And so in, in, each, in each Sunday, we're going to be seeing that David is under pressure in some form. And so this is written at a time in David's life in which he was running from Saul. Saul, who was full of jealousy, was seeking David, was to try to kill him. Saul was king, but he was rejected by God. David was God's anointed, but he wasn't yet king. And so he's been hunted down, and David is a threat to Saul's throne. And so yet there's a couple of occasions when when David sought refuge in the land of the Philistines. And so that's where today's uh, talk is is kind of centered. David has just been in the land of the Philistines, and David figured that Saul wasn't going to come after him there. It's the last place he would ever look. But anyway, on this particular occasion, David has now escaped from the land of the Philistines because his, his life was under threat there as well. How could he hide? So David knew that he'd been unwise in going to this land. So when he was able to escape, he was so grateful to the Lord. He was grateful to the Lord for the mercy that God had shown him. And so David now is is in a cave. And it's known as the cave of Adullam. And this is the context in which David begins to reflect on the goodness of God. At a time when the odds were completely stacked against him. His back was against the wall. And the, the underlying message here today, guys, is one of of David wanting us to keep seeking and experience the goodness of God whenever pressure comes. So as we come to see this psalm is lessons that will teach us to continually seek God under pressure. And so the first idea here, verses 1 to 7, seek God because he is our protector. It's likely that David is in this cave of Adullam when he composed this. He, he might have acted like a fool that would that would enable him to end up to get to this stage, but he wasn't so foolish to ignore God's mercy and to ignore God's goodness towards him. So physically, physically, David might have been hiding in a cave, 
but spiritually in his heart he was hiding in the Lord. He was taking refuge in the Lord. And he says in verses 1 to 3, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will ever be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. David's response to God's mercy and goodness is one of thankfulness expressed through praise. It wasn't enough that David had, had a thankful heart. The thankful heart was good, but it wasn't enough. Here he's expressing it before God and before others. So he's saying, I will boast, I will glory in the Lord. Not in his own cunning, not in his own planning, not in his own persuasion, and not in his own, his own thinking, not in his, his, his own quick thinking, but rather he's recognizing the goodness of who God is. And we're witnessing David's praise, the outpouring of this. Guys, we see praise all around us every day. And some days we need to look for it. But the reality is, whether it's in world leaders, our work colleagues, sports stars, prodigies, fine wines, we're enveloped in a world of praise. No one ever teaches you how to praise. It's that natural overflow of what we enjoy. And C.S. Lewis says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. And the thing is, in this, in this context, David has every reason to be angry, every reason to be upset, every reason to say, it's not fair. I'm God's anointed, not Saul. I don't deserve this. I didn't sign up for this. But look at his response. Look, at, look in your Bibles, verse 3. He says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever or together. In the ESV, the word magnify is used. Magnify the Lord with me. David's conscious that he could either magnify the Lord or else magnify the pressures. And he resolves to trust God despite where he's found himself and in spite of his own sin and in spite of his own foolishness that brought him there. When David's tempted to throw up his hands in despair, he throws up his hands in praise. He doesn't belittle his pressures. He doesn't belittle them at all, but he recognizes that God is indeed his protector, his true hiding place. And look again at verse 4. And so, in, in the cave, the reality of God's mercy sets in. And look at it, it says, I. It says, I. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. It's so simple, it's, it's, but yet it's so profound. We do the seeking, God does the hearing, the answering, and the delivering. And the reality for David was it wasn't just a moment of pressure, it wasn't a few minutes, but instead it was years of sustained pressure Day after day, month after month, years of being on the run. Years of looking over his shoulder. Years of bearing up under the weight of the world, frustrated the way things are working out. You know, moving to Dublin and stepping into a new life has done wonders for myself and Emma. You know, last year we had an incredibly tough year, which felt like crisis after crisis, turmoil after turmoil. In the space of three months, I, I lost both my grandfather's and shortly after that, my father lost his job. And then shortly after that, my sister took, took ill unexpectedly. And so it felt on one hand like everything was coming crashing down. And it was just like a pummel after a pummel. It was just wave after wave. And there were so many moments throughout the year where I simply had to cry out to God. Have it out with him. Have it out with God. Express my overwhelming grief. How unfair it seemed. Why me? I was the one that moved down to Dublin for you. God, why is all this happening? 
I had it out with God with my fears, my frustrations, my questions. And guys, this is a simple testimony that's repeating millions of times throughout the generations in which every Christian can resonate with. Hard times come. But the key, however, is, is what do we do when we're living under pressure? Do we acknowledge the turmoil and give it to God or do we brush it under the carpet and keep it from him? And look here at the text. David doesn't focus on the things that he's done. He doesn't dwell on himself. He doesn't focus on his rights or the wrongs. He doesn't focus on the gory details. But instead he turns his affections towards God. Towards his providence and his protection. It says in verse 5 and 6, Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Guys, Hebrew poetry is so beautiful in that each verse begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so it kind of aids memorization and learning. And so within this structure, there's a popular literary technique in which verses 4 and 6 run in parallel. So 4 and 6 are, are almost identical. And the reason it is, because the writer wants you to look at verse 5. He wants you to focus in on verse 5 where there is a core truth highlighted smack bang in the middle. Those who look to him, to God, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. It's a core moment. Those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Church, I get so many things and moments wrong in 2019. But I got some key moments really right. In acknowledging my, my pain and my inner turmoil uh, to, to Emma, to, to my life group, uh, to, my, to my church, to my city group, to, to my closest, I found myself nestled under the wings of a caring God. As many of the circumstances didn't improve, and even on the 2nd of August 2020, still haven't improved. And yet still grief wears he- or weighs heavy. But yet I can wrestle it to the ground. Why? Because of verse 7. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Church, your prayers and praise will be a good indicator as to whether you keep seeking or have given up seeking God. David tried to seek protection elsewhere. He ran to the Philistines, thinking he'll be safe there from Saul. But he ended up even worse off. As a church, as you engage with Psalm 34 this week, allow it to lead you to seek God because he is your protector. So seek God because he's your protector, but seek God because he alone satisfies. Because he alone satisfies. In David's praise of God, he encourages others to encounter God in verse 8. He uses the physical senses of tasting and the seeing as an invitation to spiritually encounter God. Guys, some things can only be revealed through experience. Where the tasting and seeing are physical experiences, so faith is a spiritual experience that David is calling the reader towards. So you, you might have known that God is good because somebody has told you that, but you'll have only ever truly experienced God's goodness through an encounter with him. And perhaps that is a moment that, that you realized and you recognized your need for a savior and the great love that he's lavished upon you. And the tasting and the seeing is internalized, or is internalizing this reality of God's goodness. And so David is saying, blessed is the one who's putting their trust in God. Those who make God their foundation will lack no good thing. He recognizes that, that David's own deep desires, his hopes, his expectations, all find their right place in trusting God. 
And so in making God his chief goal, not only does, does he find him, but he actually finds all these other things in their correct places. David's spiritual reality is in, is in many ways not all that different from our own. Granted, we may not be facing death, or we may not have a modern-day Saul chasing us down, but our response to the pressures that we're facing will shape our lives and will actually shape the freedom that we find. So guys, satisfaction in God is not necessarily freedom from pressure, but it rather is finding freedom in pressure. So satisfaction in God is not necessarily freedom from pressure, but it's actually finding freedom in times of pressure. So whenever the pressure and the heat comes, we're not just surviving, but we're actually able to thrive. The psalmist writes, Come, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In the first seven verses, David's praising God and recounting God's past protection over his life. But now, now he's encouraging those around him to pursue God, to seek him. There's a shift here. There's a present and a future element. And so like David, perhaps you've come through an experience or a trial, whether it's self-inflicted or maybe it's come as a total shock, and you've saw firsthand the goodness and the mercy of God, and you cannot contain it. David's internal, David's internal freedom came as a result of throwing himself on the mercy of God. Externally, even in the cave with the odds stacked against him, he knows true freedom. He's experiencing true freedom in the cave. He knows true satisfaction in the providence of God, so he resolves to worship him. And so church, I don't know where or what your cold, dark cave is, what it looks like, what it feels like, but God does. Perhaps even now you're, you're feeling the pressure of dashed hopes, closed doors, a, a lack of employment, uncertainty over the future, anxiety that things haven't planned out the way they were meant to. You're not alone. You are not alone. The future King David was seeking refuge in a cave from those who were trying to kill him. But while in the cave, look what he writes. Look at verses 15 to 18 with me. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. Look at 17. Look at this. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Church, use the Psalms this summer, and in particular Psalm 34 today, to throw yourself upon God, to lift heavy arms and to lift weary heads, to praise him again, trusting that he alone satisfies. And so may the praise of God on your lips be a marinade that will soften your heart, sweeten your affections, and satisfy your desires. While the cave was a place of David's physical rescue, look where his affections are. Look for where his true refuge is. Look at whose wings he finds himself coming under. And it's crazy because David can lay claim to righteousness because it's not his own. It's not his own righteousness. He can lay claim to it because he's throwing his whole trust on God. He's learning, he's learning to seek God under pressure. He doesn't come out with it and say that, Lord, I'm, I'm not even king. Uh, even though I was anointed to be king all those years ago, not at all. David doesn't run to the complaint David runs instead to God. He throws his entire trust in the Lord. He says in verse 18, 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I, I, I might know what you've gone through, or even what presently you are going through, or, or even what you will go through in future years. But this I do know. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. Church, there will be moments of heartache. There will be moments where your spirit is crushed and you feel like you have nothing left, nothing to give and nowhere to turn. Seek God. Find refuge and shelter in him. Cling on for dear life. And find the very thing that David found in his turmoil, that God alone satisfies. And so we, we saw this through the lessons of God's, God's past protection, but also David knows a future provision. So there's a past protection, but there's a future provision. So seek God because he's our protector. Seek God because he alone satisfies. And seek God because he will have the final say. He will have the final say. David's freedom is wrapped up in these last four verses. He knows the end of the story. He knows the righteous will be delivered and the wicked condemned in the end up. And he's willing to live out his days under pressure because of the assurance of better things to come. Guys, there will come a day when a better David comes, a greater than David comes, Israel's true king, who also lived under pressure. Israel's true king who had no palace, he had no throne. Frequently moved from town to town, he was rejected by many who knew sorrow, who knew affliction, and was eventually put to death by the religious and the political leaders of his day. His name was Jesus. Verse 20 was prophesied about Jesus that not one bone in his body would be broken. Not one bone in his body would be broken, even on that cross. And so David threw his trust in God. And later the greater King Jesus would do the very same as he goes to the cross to pay the debt that we owed. Yet God kept all his bones, not one of them would be broken. So David could say with confidence in verse 22, the Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Because he knew that God will have the final say. He knew that God would have the final say. He was able to bear up under pressure, knowing that redemption awaited. And so a thousand years later, the Apostle John would record Jesus saying these words to his followers, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Church, David found freedom in the refuge of God while under pressure. And so today you can as well through Jesus. The one who ultimately saves. The one who can restore right relationship between you and God. The one who bore up the agony in the cross so that you didn't have to. And so when the heat comes, when the pressure is on and you're tempted to run from Jesus, remember these words that no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Maybe you feel condemned today. There's an opportunity for the last 10 minutes for you to come back to Jesus. You know what, as I close, I want us to draw into a response of worship. I want to draw towards a response of worship. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes these words. And, and wherever you're at, I encourage you to close your eyes. Listen to these words of Paul, who also was bearing up under pressure. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So wherever you're at, I encourage you, close your eyes while I pray. Jesus, I I thank you for for David. I thank you for his example that that even whenever he screwed up and even whenever he found himself in the wrong land, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, he still ran back to you. And Jesus, I thank you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So wherever we find ourselves, whatever decisions we make, whatever pressures we find ourselves under, Jesus, there is a way back I thank you, Jesus, that the way back is through you. You took to the cross so that we didn't have to. You have given us freedom in this life, even whenever it doesn't feel like it. So, Father, in this season of COVID, and as we potentially come out of this pandemic, and maybe as the pressures are on us with regards to employment, with regards to where we're going to live, with regards to our jobs, with regards to whatever it is, While the heat is on, Jesus, may we find freedom in you. In your name, amen.